Welcome to Tusk Talk. This is our inaugural edition, and I'm joined by Andrew Wright, also known as Big Long Johns, and I'm also joined by Evan Nyquist, uh, known as the German translation of the magic card Choke on Team Tusk. And uh, this is our first podcast, so there may be some bumps in the road, but we wanted to touch on eternal issues uh, and sort of bring you a different perspective than you might get from many of the podcasts out there, uh, and we hope you enjoy it. Um, and we have a lot to talk about because we're recording this podcast the day um, the day after uh, the ban and restricted announcement on uh, 9-28-2015. And we saw the hostage exchange policy of Wizards continue, and um, the Al-Qaeda blue card that was carted off was uh, dig through time, uh, and they released an old political friend of ours, Black Vice, from his uh, long time in prison. Um, so we have some changes, and the changes are also interesting because they're fairly close to the, uh, to the next Legacy GP, which is... We're basically in October right now, and so we're basically a month out from the GP. So uh, people who are interested in Legacy in particular will have a month to try to adjust to these changes, and so it's pretty interesting. So uh, I'll start with Andrew. What do you, what do you think? Uh, you've played a lot of Dick through time. you played it in your, uh, your food chain deck. You've played against it. Um, what, are your, what are your thoughts on the card in general and... Uh, do you think it was the most ban-worthy candidate? And uh, if you could have chosen a different card, or or would you agree that Dig was the right card? Yeah, I would say they made the right call with with banning Dig. People were able to adapt to it, but it just didn't. It didn't really bring things in a positive direction. So I don't know. Banning it was good. If it, if if Dig just had read draw seven cards instead of look at the top seven cards, I think maybe it could have stuck around. But the fact that it bypassed all of the uh, like anti-draw, you know, hate that there's out there, like really made it a pain in the ass to deal with. I played it. I played Treasure Cruise. I think they were both just too overpowered for Legacy, and it's fine that they're they're banned now. What do you think, Evan? I know you fucking hated that card. Yeah, yeah, I definitely hated that card. Um. The problem was it really pushed the whole cantrip cartel idea just way into the ground. It really destroyed any sort of long game uh, strategies. Of course, totally disrupted uh, the discard strategy. Um, kind of made me want to switch decks at times. Uh, I found it to be really powerful. I just think, you know, going through seven cards in Legacy, uh, choosing the best two, and then dumping what's you know, basically unneeded under the bottom is very powerful. Nonetheless, if someone's casting three of them in a game, that means they've looked at 21 cards out of their deck and chosen six, which, I mean, if you're not taking the game home from there, I, I'm not sure what to tell you. Brainstorm has a lot of power. It's the most powerful card in Legacy. I did find that, you know, Dig Through Time was just more of a game-ending situation if someone was getting it off. Um late game. I think Brainstorm's powers in the beginning, fight, and it's even worse for discard with Brainstorm, obviously. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm happy at least with Dig at this point. Um, and I'm ecstatic about Black Vice, of course. But So we never, I agree with everything you just said, um, but, so we never actually saw a, two, two things, right? We never saw a delveless 
legacy environment. So if you just think back to um, like last year's champs, right? Cons is legal, and the Delve cards kind of dominate. Treasure Cruise in particular is ubiquitous, but Day had a good showing too. We we actually never got to see a legacy where Commander was legal, but uh, Commander last year, sorry, was legal, uh, and Delve, but Delve cards weren't. So we never got so prior to that, right? The decks were like Sneak Show. Bug him, rug, miracles, then Delve comes. And it seemed like the Sneak Show decks got kind of pushed out. Uh, they couldn't leverage the Delve cards as well as the others. And it was just better to play Omnitel because, because of how ridiculous Dig Through Time is when it costs zero, right? So it would be interesting now. We, we, we're going to go back to basically Precon's legacy. Um, Really, that's all Watsy's done. We'll talk about the vice in a second, but essentially all we're doing is rewinding the clock because the cons block as a whole didn't really didn't really give us anything. It gave us some subtle cards, like Tassiger, Siege Rhino, Murderous Cut, but it didn't really give us anything, would you call, like, game-changing. Uh, I guess maybe Swift Spear, but... Swift Spear was at its best when you could cruise and, and reload it, right? So we'll get to see a Delveless Legacy, essentially. I guess you have Tassiger. But uh, we'll also have Containment Priest to fight Sneak Show, which is certainly... I mean, that, that's the best printing ever to fight to fight Sneak Attack and to fight um, Show into Creature, right? So do you guys yeah. think, as on the whole, I guess, that we're going to just rewind... Uh, we're gonna we're gonna have the same blue dominance, but we're gonna have the blue dominance that we had precons. Or do you think there's anything, either in I guess in or origins, uh, cons, or now that we got Battle for Zendikar spoiled, do you really see anything breaking the stranglehold that the blue decks had on the format before Delve, or do you see it as kind of being about the same? I don't know. I, I think it's probably just gonna be a pretty close rewind. People, I don't. I hate to say this, but most Legacy players just look at whatever's on the internet and play it. So uh, everyone's going to say, okay, well, this is, this is just a rewind, so I'm going to play what was the best deck before uh, the before the Delve cards came out. And we'll probably see a lot of Sneak and Show again. Um, I'm, I imagine we're going to see a lot of Him to Torak again, which is fi fine by me. I feel like it's the best way to combat that type of nonsense. I think the uh, in talking with Greg, he, he feels like the the bug deck with him is essentially placed right where it was before Delve, which is you could argue that it was the best deck pre Delve. Uh, it got a lot of uh, places. Bob Huang won an SEG with it. Greg won an SEG with it. Um, and those guys seem to think that it had the leg up on Rug, which you know was arguably the best tempo deck pre. Pre-Treasure uh, Cruise. Hypothetically, here, if you were really interested in winning a major legacy tournament, what, what would you play at this point? Uh, I think now with the band, you know, with the Delve cards gone, and I wanted to win a large legacy event, I'd probably just play Rug. Yeah. I think Black Vice actually might do some work for Rug. I think it might actually be able to fit in there somehow. It could be better than Nimble Mongoose on the on the play. Um, I think I think where it loses its juice, and this is one of, one of the arguments I made while it languished uh, in solitary confinement, was 
was on the draw now, it's it's really bad. And mm-hmm. if you the problem with most of the zygotes that want to talk about the black vice is that it's it's actually been banned for twenty years. Twenty years. It's been banned. And it's never been legal since one five was created. And so um, it actually predates the it may I'll have to look it up. The play draw rule took place at I believe the first Pro Tour, uh, where if you took the play you did not get to draw a card. You used to get to draw a card and play first. It was pretty pretty sick. Um, I believe that Black Vice's banning predates that. So we've actually never been able to play with it in one five when when uh, when you did not uh, draw an extra card on the play. And it hurts the card a lot. You don't think you think it's subtle, but it's uh, unless you are stacking your opponent's hand with with mine effects or playing one of the prison strategies we'll talk about. It's you know it's pretty pretty easy to get under in Legacy when you uh, if you if you if you are on the draw with your vices. In other words, if you're if you're on the draw, vice is real slow. It's not it's not very good. Your opponent might is going to play a land and presumably play like a deathright shaman. They're immediately going to be at five cards, right? So vice is very bad. It's a, it's yeah. a bad lava spike at that point. So if you were if you were to try your hardest to like take the pulse of the next major legacy tournament, do you think? I mean, I would suspect that him is going to be a, the most popular uh, strategy, like him type decks. But uh, do you think you could go one further and go lean more towards like a misdirection style deck, or like, like what's going to start dominating right away? I mean, obviously we know things are going to shift naturally, but what will be the first dominant strategy? I, I kind of agree with you. I think it's going to be a rewind. People will go back to decks like Rug. I think Miracles. People have a lot invested in that deck in terms of their time, and I think it's still a fantastic deck even without Dig. It was good before Dig. Uh, and I think that the bug deck, which leaned a lot on being on the play, getting a mana advantage with death right, and then just everything being incremental, like him to Turox, um, all that incremental card advantage, I think those decks will make a show. I think it's going to be the same standard cantrip shell, but I think those would be the three ones. You could you could maybe argue that a deck like the Charlotte Agent one, uh, which also used to run him... Uh, Maybe that will get a little bit better, but um, I think it's you know, it's that core of cards. I think it'll it'll be the same. I, I don't really see Sneak and Show making a comeback. I think um, I think Miracles handles it pretty well. Um, I think Rug can fight it pretty well. Um, it's good against like Storm, but I think Sneak and Show. I think you you would have a hard time convincing me that it's a it's a better two-card combo deck than just playing Reanimator, which I think is a little faster. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. All right. Well, I think that's a fair segue to move into the thing that the three of us are probably most excited about right now is the unbanning of Black Vise. Where do you guys feel is the best fit to play that card in Legacy? What do you think, Evan? You've you've had your <laughs> you've owned your beta vices for twenty freaking years now. 25 years. Yeah, I mean, uh, personally, I mean, I really don't think it's the greatest. You know, I don't think it's going to make a huge splash in Legacy. Really, at the end of the day, it's probably in the same boat as Land Tax. Um, right. I personally, I'm going to play it because I want to play Black Vice. Um, 
I think that if it was to really get, it's not really worth putting in to burn. Um, I think, you know, kind of what you were saying about rug. I mean, I guess something with mana denial is where you're going to want to go with black vice um, and, uh, of course, stasis. Um, it's just, it's definitely, it's a prison card. I'd like to see it maybe in stacks somehow. Um, but, it, you know, I'm, I'm hoping for the best, but I could see it just kind of fizzling away pretty soon. But I'll definitely be playing vices. I think a few things, and I, I've argued that it should be unbanned for a long time. A few things hurt it, right? Like, the best prison card that a, that a mono-brown prison deck can play, in, in Legacy anyway, is Chalice on 1. So it flies right in the face of Chalice on 1. So if you're going to play brown and you're not going to play Chalice on 1, then you've got to change the deck around quite a bit, almost into a, into a new deck. Yeah. Probably means that you're, those decks mulligan poorly to begin with. They don't have... Uh, Brainstorm or anything to fix their hands. So I can't see winning a large event with a deck that wants to try to jam a, a Vice on one, untap, Chalice on one. I think you're asking way too much of a deck that has no way to really manipulate its draws. So I feel like one of, if you want to go Vice and you've got it tattooed on your chest like a fucking Cholo that you, you've got to get... <laughs> You've got to get rid of Chalice, and then that means I think you're just going to max out on Spheres and Tangle Wires and go that direction, and Ports, and Thorns, and Lodestone, and mm -hmm. just stay away from the Chalice and just literally max out your Spheres. And maybe even play... Uh, maybe even play Howling Mine. Like, um, right. not max out. Like, it's not a really good turn one play, obviously, but... If you have like a soft lock with tangle wire, or um, if you have crucible and a wasteland and one sphere effect, then you can almost play the howling mind, sort of like how you play um, coercive portal now, to just try to get the to sort of end the game quicker. But because you're using vice as your win condition, um, you know it, it, howling mind plus vice. That's a sort of a time honored uh, combination. You, you're you're producing a situation where your opponent can't possibly cast all the cards in their hand, and you're constraining their resources, and thus the vice is a kill condition. It's also worth noting, like, the next best card with Tangle Wire is Chalice, because it's permanent, and when you're playing Tangle Wires, you want to win the, the permanent war. So vice is a nice, cheap permanent that curves into your Tangle Wire, you know. Um, so I think if... And, and there's also a shitty, a couple of other shitty vices they've printed over the years. Mm -hmm. One has a picture of like this pedo owl. I forget the name of it. Great taste. <laughs> you, you know what I'm talking about? No, I've never seen it. Ebony owl. Hold on, I'm gonna look this thing up. Ebony owl Mitsuki. Seriously, look at it. It's fucking terrifying. Here, I'll put the image in the chat. Look at this thing, dude. Whoop. <laughs> anyway, it's basically a shitty vice, and it only triggers if um, if the opponent has seven at the beginning of his upkeep. <laughs> so it's definitely not a it's it's a worse black vice. We can all agree. But if your strategy is all in on on um, on um, getting both players' hands uh, hand size up, like using Howling Mine or using, I think it's called Pimple Bell is the new Howling Mine? Yeah. yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, three tap, each player draws a card. Mm -hmm. 
And if you have something going on there where you're metamorphing spheres and just trying to really just completely ice the game, uh, you know, maybe you're running four vices and a couple of owls because, I don't know, the card does look pretty sweet. There's also Miser's Cage, which is another sweet way they tried to fix the vice. Dude, check out the flavor text on Miser's Cage. This is totally... Uh, this is totally that dude who got arrested in uh, Atlanta. Let him let him be imprisoned while his possessions wander free. He loaned all of his cards to his buddy after he, he was going to get thrown in the fucking pokey. <laughs> <laughs> but it's funny over the years how they've tried to make quote-unquote fixed black vices, you know, and they all fucking suck. There's also Vice Lane, which is like a four-mana black vice. It's a dude. It's fucking terrible. Do you guys feel that... The unbanning of Black Vise is gonna make Legacy a more, I mean, make uh, Stasis a more competitive Legacy deck. I think it's the only hope Stasis has to be a competitive Legacy deck. I think, and I've played Stasis and Legacy, and the biggest problem with Stasis is uh, isn't the fact that it this card Stasis isn't backbreaking. You just can never win the game in time, and you can never, uh, you just can't kill your opponent quick enough. To, to end the game before eventually you either can't pay for the stasis, you know, or you run out of ways to bounce the stasis. And the vice, being able to just go vice go and then work backwards from there into settling the soft lock in is a pretty big deal. And the fact that it's really, really cheap uh, is also a big deal because in stasis you tend to not, you tend to be very mana constrained yourself because you're constantly topping, tapping land to play for stasis. So, um... I don't know if it'll be a tier one deck, but you get to run all the killer blue cards, um, and you get to run like all the free counter spells ever printed uh, in the universe, like thwart and foil. You get to play maybe like one each of those. You're playing things like anything that returns islands to your hand is part of the cost. Yeah. It's killer yeah. and stasis. So, mm. but you know what I would wonder about stasis is it you know it's going to share like. I don't know, 20, 20 of the same cards as, as a deck like High Tide. Is it just worse than High Tide? Pro it probably is just worse than High Tide, I think. But I guess it doesn't fold to certain combo hosers. Uh, so, like, a card like, let's say, Aether Swarm Cannonist doesn't actually do a whole lot to Stasis, right? Mm -hmm. um, but I think I, I'm, I'm going to give it a fucking try because Stasis is absolutely and completely the most miserable thing to be on the <laughs> other side of. <laughs> the old school ones are basically mono blue. So your mana base is just impervious. So, you know, you're talking about all the pitch spells you can find. Four stasis, four... I think you're starting the deck with four stasis, four force of will. Uh, at, least a, at least a few dazes, I think they're worth playing to get the island back. Um, you want to look at cards like Ensnare... Well, actually, I was asking you, uh, what are the best decks against a Stasis deck? Oh, against? I think the best card is Abrupt Decay, right? So, yeah. you know, playing probably the other pitch spell, playing Misdirection, I would think strongly about playing Misdirection in Stasis just because you really can't do anything else against Abrupt Decay. It's, uh, you know, it's, it can't be countered, obviously. So, and it blows out your Stasis. And, um... The way Stasis used to be played, like in 94 and 95, the best Stasis players, and we had some really good ones in Atlanta, they essentially played the deck where they ignored you until they were literally about to die. And they would get, they would just establish as many islands and resources as they could, 
and then on the turn where they felt like they could they could try to to land the lock, they would power sink whatever spell you cast, right? And they would try to <laughs> they would sink you out, and hopefully you'd you'd attack with some creatures, yeah. and then they would then they would go and try to land the stasis, and that's how the deck played out. So the deck the deck's mantra is basically just survive as long as possible, and then land the stasis, and like. And then from there you just win because it's it's almost a hard lock. You're you're you can't untap. It's very hard. There's some things that have been printed that fuck up the program. Though, like I think the biggest one in terms of creatures in the old days it was Sarah Angel. Now it's Batterskull, right? The stupid thing has vigilance. So it's like you can never actually settle into your soft lock if they have uh, a Stoneforge untapped and a Batterskull. So I think you have to play things like Ensnare. So that's another card I think is really good against Stasis. We Batterskull. Um, they can't. I mean, putting stasis down while a 4-4 is beating the fuck out of you is sort of antithetical to what you're trying to do, so... Abrupt Decay, Batter Skull, obviously Spell Snare. Um, but other than that, the card... I mean, the card is is as traditional of, of a lock as you can... Uh, as you can go with... Now, you also have... I mean, you have Chain of Vapor, right? Like, you have this... That's like the... You guys know how that works, right? So, like, you play probably three or four Chain of Vapor in stasis... So at the end of your turn, when I've paid out uh, three, you know, I have three or four tapped islands or whatever, I target my stasis with Chain of Vapor, I sack a land, and then I bounce whatever on your side is pissing me off if there's anything I even care about. And I get my stasis back, I untap all of my islands, and I replay the stasis, and you want to just ask, gouge your eyes out. Uh, to come full circle here, what, uh, what do you think Wizards was thinking initially when they slapped Black Vise on the banned list? Like, what kind of decks were so dominant that they had to never let Black Vice see the light of day in Legacy? Well, technically, it was a holdover, right? So the first 1-5 ban list, Evan probably remembers this, it was just the Legacy restricted, or sorry, it was just the Vintage restricted list. Yep. It, was, it was literally just those cards. So it actually exists because at the time, the Vice had gone back on the, the Vintage or the type one at the time restrict list. So that the the strange thing about the vice and like its sorted history, it's a lot like um, like Gush has been in the last few years. The vice the vice actually jumped on. Uh, this is um, the I have to think of the dates here. So the vice is first restricted in. February of 1996, and this is at the height of the dominance of the O'Brien School. <laughs> and it's restricted in February, and then it's strange. It comes off the restricted list only two months later, which is totally weird. Like they had a they had a ban restricted announcement. In a like really short order, when they when they had been doing them like twice a year, they just did another one two months later, and it was sort of an uh, it was an unrestriction uh, emergency thing. I don't know if it had to do with a set release, but it was it was Ali from Cairo got unrestricted, Black Vice and Sword of the Ages, and uh, they also unbanned Time Vault, and I believe that is the time they added the power level or added the Time Vault to make it suck. Ironically, it was still good with stasis, but anyway. Um, so that that's the history of it, and then it gets re-restricted. I had a year to play with it, and then it get, it gets re-restricted um, in '97, and I think 
that the reason it gets re-restricted is because Wasteland gets printed? I think is it becomes fucking brutal with uh uh there's you guys but you guys know strip mine was unrestricted for a long time, right? Yeah. 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 So so strip mine doesn't get restricted to like ninety eight. So you I'm just you know that 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 school of magic or that mana denial strategy strip mines for black vices uh was just too much. So they so they restrict the vice again. And but then they later sort of rectify it. They they restrict strip mine in ninety eight when in fact the problem card in ninety seven was probably in fact not black vice but was probably strip mine. Yeah, definitely. Um, so it's just laid there ever since, and it it actually shares the same lineage as like Mind Twist, another card that should be unbanned and probably will just be the next prisoner in the prisoner exchange. Yeah, they're they're both banned at the time one five's created. Um, I was wondering about uh, like if Pox could adapt to Black Vice by getting rid of its discard package um, and moving just towards like Nether Voids and Abyss and uh, like Blood Gas and Tabernacles or something. As the card, it's tough because the card smallpox is really good, and it nets them, it puts them a card down. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No. You could try land destruction. The frustration with land destruction in Modern Legacy is fetch lands and days, really. Like the card sinkhole. As much as I love it, those two things didn't exist when I played it in Spades, and it's still a good card. And when you actually resolve it and sinkhole someone's land, it's pretty awesome. But it's tough to... I don't know that I would... Um, I mean, I think you could go for a land destruction deck, stay off the discard, and try to use vices. My only my only caveat there would be you probably have to ask yourself, like, why you weren't just better off playing a Tarmogoyf or something. Or, right. You know what I mean? It'd be tough to... I guess it can't get swords, but you're not going to play a green-black land destruction deck without death right, right? So, like, I, I don't know. Yeah, maybe you could make a whole new shell, get rid of all the discard, and really try to get fast with your rituals. And... Dark depths. Yeah, go that route. But it's like, if you're going to finish with a 2020, do you want to try to attack on the other axis of, of having this black vice that might absolutely do nothing? I, right. I think probably... But besides, we talked about mud and we talked about stasis. I think the other place that you might see it, and because it's got some synergy with some other cards, is uh, in like a burn deck. And I don't think that it's better than like lava spike. But hear me out. There's a couple of cards that Vice actually does work with that have been printed in the last years. Goblin Guide. Yeah, that one off the top of my head is is like Goblin Guide and also the card Eidolon. So yeah. like. Yeah. If you have an idol, if you go vice, go untap Eidolon, You basically put your opponent in a position of uh, they're just damned if they do, they're damned if they don't. If they they don't cast their spells into the Eidolon, they get viced. If they cast their spells to get under the vice, they get Eidolon. So maybe there's some synergy there. The problem is, it's just a fucking terrible top deck. Like, right? All it does is pump your Swift Spear and what else? I can't think of anything besides Shrapnel Blasting it. Shrapnel Blast is kind of a shitty car, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know enough about Burn. We'd have to get our resident Burn expert on the on the, someone who's more active in the Burn community. Fire! 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 <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> to come on, but I, I don't know what you would take out, you know, to... And the only other thing I can think of is Affinity, because that's an aggressive deck that wants to empty its hand with cheap artifacts to turn on Metalcraft, and if the vice is a brick later in the game, you can just eat it. Right, kind of like mud. It's yeah, so yeah, eat it with a Ravager, maybe turn it into a 5-5 with Tezzeret or something. Those are the only thing. Uh, the other thing would be to reload their hand with uh, uh, Days Undoing, right? Mm-hmm, right. So if you had a couple of vices out and they were, you know, you'd, you're on the affinity plan, but you're sort of running out of steam. Yeah, that seems cast, good. Cast your days undoing, and all of a sudden, these two vices that you had sitting out there are going to six them during their upkeep. Yeah. All right, Sean, answer me this. Yeah. Heather uh, and I were discussing this at dinner tonight. Uh, when I came back to, to playing Magic after, like, a 10-year hiatus, all I wanted to do was continue doing what I did before, which was blow up lands. And I came to realize that, you know, one for one, like my card versus your land is really not a way to win magic, at least, right, you know, in Legacy, that is. Uh, uh, Evan, however, argues the opposite. What are your thoughts on a land destruction deck in Legacy? Yeah, I think a few things changed over the years. One is the whole curve of Legacy is just centered around one now. So, like, getting someone down to one land or two lands... Does, is, doesn't mean what it used to mean uh, because look at a deck like Rug. Rug. Rug effectively never wants to have more than two lands in play for any real good reason. They want actually more lands back in their hands so they can brainstorm them away. And uh, So that that's a big deal. The other big deal is just fetch lands. I mean, let's say you open up an opener of like Dark Ritual, Sinkhole, whatever, or just Sinkhole, Ice Storm, whatever you're... Dominator mages, all your land destruction, even wasteland, and your opponent just goes fetch go, and you're like go, and they're like fetch go. And so yeah, no, that, I... fetch lands are a huge problem. Days, you know, days has sort of come in and out of favor, but like days was a game changer too. As a matter of fact, if you put a gun to my head and said I had to play sinkhole at an event to try to win. I think that I would play him alongside Stifle. I think the best friend of Sinkhole is probably Stifle. Stifle is probably the best land destruction spell, and it's fucking pathetic that it's blue, but it pro probably, as far as spells go, Stifle is the best land destruction spell. Yeah, I mean, I, I really like Ice Storm uh, and Stone Rain right now. Um, I just, I think I think they have a good use with the uh, with Soul Lands. Like, I think land destruction isn't necessarily great, you know, route or whatnot, but I just think it's something that's under, it's not really looked at enough. Um, so well, people like definitely really don't play around it. I'll give, I'll say that much. People, people yeah. don't, it's an angle you can attack from, like, it, the classic example, and I've watched you play Ice Stone before, is people fetch basic lands in Legacy and they just assume they're impervious, right? Right. Yeah. That's, I mean, and that's when people crumble the most is when you start knocking out their basics, you know, because then you can wasteland out their main and then they're screwed. I mean, the crumble the dust one, uh, you know, the, what is it, sore salts or whatever, the strictly better version of that. I mean, like like that with Stone Rain and Ice Storm and, you know, with Titania. And they were talking about uh, card need for speed. Um, and then with Sylvan Safekeeper. Uh, just things like that might be like interesting with land destruction. I just feel like it's a it's an age old tactic that you know I feel like could maybe see a little more attempts towards it. 
Um, it's definitely not an internet strategy. Yeah, I mean, the Vice could be the way to seal those games when you would have otherwise... Let's just say you want to build creatureless land destruction. That wasn't really possible before because you didn't have a compelling win condition. Now you could go down the route of playing creatureless land destruction and using, like, drop of honeys and right. black vice as your win condition. So, yeah, I can it, see that. It, I'm, yeah. It, or just even using the soul lands, you know, for chalice and then, you know, being able to, you know, drop a chalice on turn one and then stone rain them turn two. And, you know, well, they're, they're I would argue, here's what I would argue is... The, the, the problem, I, and I love Stone Run and I love Ice Storm. The issue I have is if you're going to play all the Soul Lands, um, bar, like barring something like Gaddic T, I think I'd rather just cast Armageddon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I think Armageddon could work as well. Um, and then it's like there's no point in doing all the intermediate work. You might as well just actually just cast Armageddon, then it doesn't matter if they have a fucking fetch land up. They can go fuck themselves. Armageddon's going to resolve and fuck you. Right, yeah. Or Ravages of War or whatever you, whatever you tickles your fancy. I mean, the nice thing is with the Soul Lands is that they, you know, they can pump into the Green Sun um, or get something like Armageddon cast faster. Um, or Titania, you know, or something. You know, it's just, it has a little more speed versus when you're denying your opponents of lands, you know, where you're basically getting two colorless and they just lost a land. Um, so it just kind of, I feel like it gives you a nice leg up if you get it moving right. And then with Green Sun, get out of Dryad or whatnot. It's not a great deck by any means, but just I was just thinking mainly that land destruction could see just a little more. But in that deck, you'd have got, you'd have like really high-end guys that just end the game. You probably wouldn't want Vice, right? Right, exactly. Like, I don't think Vice would be good in that necessarily. I'd, I'd rather go the Chalice route, just go clunky and. Yeah, and I think that's a huge deal. Is Vice Vice slots in a lot of decks that also want to play Chalice, and it's like exactly. nine times out of ten, Chalice is going to be better. So I think looking forward to Seattle. I, I'll g I'm going to give some Vice decks a shot and see if I can get something I'm comfortable with. But I don't I don't have any great aspirations of Vicing anyone. Uh, despite how happy it would make me. Um, so, yeah, so Diggs banned. Uh, Vice is unbanned. Um, so, to summarize, we think maybe th maybe three strategies might give it a shot. Mono Brown Prison, either of the aggro decks that s s see some play in Legacy, either Burn or Affinity. Maybe Rug, you have to look at it as is it better than... I think Nimble Mongoose is the only thing that you could rationally replace because Delver is just way better. Um, and then maybe Stasis could, could uh, see see some play. Um, but again, I think Stasis is going to fight against the clock and then, um, you know, things like Abrupt Decay. So, you know, uh, we, we have a GP coming up and um, we'll have Battle for Zendikar... Are there any cards in... I mean, for me, that set is just... not. There's nothing in that set for me. But maybe, are there any cards from an Eternal perspective you guys are looking at that you think... Uh, you mentioned the Stone Rain. Um, are there any cards you guys are looking at that uh, you might actually consider playing? Uh, I mean, the, the Ulamog I might play in post. Um, uh -huh. 
Ulamog of the Ceaseless Hunger. Um, it's one cheaper, which is a big deal for post. Um, still has the cast trigger. It's got a better um, cast trigger, I think, right? Yeah, yeah, it takes up two. Um, and Exiles. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, that that's pretty strong. Um, as far as the Exiling 20 cars, I mean, it's fine. At a certain point, I don't know how much different it is from them just drawing a different, shuffling their deck or whatnot, unless you're trying to mill them out. Yeah, I agree. I don't think the 20 cards makes a fuck, fuck sight of difference, but being able to get, like, a bridge, you know, and a Planeswalker or something with uh, with Ulamog is pretty nuts, I think. Um, the old one was pretty good. This one, I think, the Annihilator is... Fine, but you've got Emrakul to annihilate. The Annihilator without Time Walk isn't as impressive as uh, Double Exile. Double uh, Exile. Yeah, I just think it's a better toolbox card for post. And can it hit lands? I didn't know. Yeah. 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 So that's pretty sick. So, um, you know, that's yeah, that's that's really sick. Taking out an opposing Caracas or whatever is pretty cool. Right. Uh, and it's on cast, so the Caracas is gone before he even resolves, right? I'm exactly. Yeah. Let me bring him up on the spoiler site. It's good removal. It's it's, it's a very, really good tool card for the deck. Um, I'm pretty happy. I mean, and one less again is is great. You know, if you have eye out, then it's only going to cost you eight, um, which yeah. isn't too difficult. Uh, what about you, Andrew? Uh, are you excited about Lantern Scout? <laughs> you, you spoke for tribal allies. No, okay. On a real note, on a, uh, I think allies could be could be viable. I don't know. I mean, I haven't really checked out the ally tribe lately, but there's yeah. so many of them. Like, if Soldier Stompy is semi-viable in Legacy, then why couldn't Ally Stompy be viable? I have two words for you: Torpor Orb. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think the ally tribe is stupid and forced. Like. Yeah. Why did they just have to make another random dumb keyword when they could have just made this core or ogre or fucking mercenary? Like, why the fuck did you just have to make a random new keyword that nobody gives a half fuck about? Like, I don't get it, but maybe I'm not the target audience for allies. Well, there are a couple cards I think that are. I think there's gonna be a few sleepers in this set that people don't realize at first and start to play eventually. First one, I think Titan's Presence is a possible card to play in a Legacy Mud deck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. You're not playing Workshop, so the three is always you're always gonna have three real mana instead of three Workshop mana. It, it, that's an yeah. Exile, also, right? Exile target creature if it's less than the guy you reveal. Yeah. Yeah, I believe so. Let's see what it says. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's it. So that's pretty sweet. That gets under Teague. Kind of cool. Uh. It deals with some problem. Uh, uh, mother of Ru- well, you're never going to have a problem with Mother of Runes and Mud, but uh, it's, it's certainly tough to protect from it uh, besides you know, having Shroud or something. Yeah. So, yeah that's, that's pretty sweet. Um, how about this one? There's a... Um, there's... A, it's a demonic tutor duct tape to, like, a mind's desire duct tape to... Uh, the old domain mechanic. Uh, oh, is it green colors or the green blue or something? Yeah, Simic, as the children like to call it. Uh, forget what the name of it is. I could probably recite the text. This spoiler is sorted by like 
artist's fucking social security number. I can't find anything on it. I read it earlier today, and it just it's, it's a five-mana spell that just doesn't seem good enough. All right, well, fuck it. Then I can't find it anyway. Um, how about... Um, all right, the Is Planeswalker. That... I, I could see... We were talking about Gideon the other night and trying to, like, compare it to Elspeth. Like, I mean, I think Elspeth is still better in a vacuum, but but Gideon does a few things that are always good on a Planeswalker. The first being he can protect himself, right? Um, so he makes knights, which are bigger than soldiers. They're, they're two-twos. And he, for better or for worse, he is a win condition, right? Um, and his win condition doesn't require the emblem. He If he just keeps going up, he's a win condition because he's a fucking Jazam. Um, so maybe Gideon could... You could play Gideon in something. In a deck with tokens, I think he's... He's definitely worth a shot. Although I guess the Soren is uh, maybe better in a token deck. I don't know. What do you think of Gideon? Uh, I'd have to pull it up real quick. Or fuck him. He's, he says two white-white, plus one. He starts with four loyalty, which is pretty good. Plus one until the end of the turn... Uh, Gideon, New Gideon, becomes a 5-5 human soldier, ally, mercenary, wizard, ogre, advisor, creature <laughs> with indestructible, that's still a planeswalker, prevent all damage that will be dealt to him this turn. So I'm picturing this in like a stacks deck where you've got your chalice on one or your Spear out and now you want to play your planeswalker and try to win the game. And in the past maybe that was Elspeth or whatever. Uh, zero, he can make a 2-2 knight, and then minus four, you get an emblem, which is creatures you control get plus one, plus one. And those emblems stack. Not that you're ever going to run them back, but... Um, so, like, the turn he comes into play, if your opponent's tapped out or you know, doesn't have access to sorts to plowshares because you have a chalice out, you can, you can plus one him and pass. Then the next turn, you can either emblem yourself and maybe attack with some bigger factories or something... Um, or I guess you can make a knight and pass. Maybe you just always make a knight first. I don't know, I guess it depends what your opponent has on board. I'm just trying to compare him to what you would do if you had an Elspeth in play. I, I don't know, maybe maybe he's your fourth Planeswalker? I don't know, I prefer Elspeth. But you don't want to play four Elspeths, because you don't right. want a lot of fucking Elspeths in your hand. So is he better than five mana Gideon, or... Uh, I don't know what other white planeswalkers. There's an Ajani. Who? Nahiri, the Lithomancer. Yeah, maybe you'd rather have that. That gets you a batter skull or something, right? Or puts the batter skull in a play from your hand. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. I think th that planeswalker is very fringe if if anyone will play it in Legacy. Uh, what's the black planeswalker's name? Obnixilis? Ob Obnixilis? Yeah. He's a straight bag of dicks. He's not yeah, worth it. Yeah, he's garbage. Kiora, it's interesting we bring up Stasis. Kiora is a dang. Stasis combo enabler. So if you were going the green-blue Stasis route, which there's some natural synergy in green, you get um, Scrib Ranger, Quirin Ranger. Uh, you used to have Garuk. The problem with Garuk as a Stasis enabler was that, A, he was green-green, which sucks and is hard to get. And, like, his plus one didn't do really anything other than maintain stasis. And if you didn't have any large number of creatures in your deck, his ultimate was also just sort of useless. 
Kiora's kind of interesting. I don't think she's good, but specifically talking about stasis, she does A, enable your stasis, and B, if you have a creature out that can attack, she enables you to untap the creature and the land you're going to use to paper stasis next turn. Also, if, you're, if you've got, like, Noble Hierarchs or Deathrite Shamans in your stasis deck, she, could, she effectively nets you two mana. And then, unlike Garouk, she is the win condition because she puts, like, 24 power worth of fucking octopi on the board. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I don't think she's particularly good, but the but if you wanted to go green blue stasis, I think she's better in vintage than she is in legacy. Um, yeah. Everything else is kind of There's uh, the retreat to Coral Helm, which people have been talking about um, with Knight. Right, your Knight can just. Go nuts, huh? Yeah. So that basically reads Mana Severance if you have Knight of the Reliquary and enough planes, right, and forests. You just Mana Severance your deck. Oh, even better, they're in your graveyard. And then yeah. attack fucking 30. Uh, what's the land that let, gives your dude protection from whatever? Sajiri Step? Um, yeah. yeah. So you could chain with your Knight into land, 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 fetch, 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 force, 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 blah, 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 blah. And then the last land is Sajiri Step to give him protection from whatever blockers, right? Yeah. I suppose I should read Retreat to Coral Helm. Yeah. Um, it's uh, two and one blue enchantment. Or you can uh, scry. Yeah. So it's landfall. Whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, choose one. Uh, you may... Tap or untap target creature. Bullet point two is scry one. So. Hey, if this was two mana, I might get on board. I, I think it's going to be one too much for Legacy, but it's close. Uh, I don't yeah. know. I think you can throw it in your, your bit, neither Reliquary deck as a one or two of and just go, go nuts when you draw it. Yeah. So then your fetches turn into scries. That's kind of cool. You could yeah. get to, If you have a fetch standing up, you get to play combat tricks. Like, right. untap my guy and block. Plays really well with Lotus Cobra. Mm -hmm. uh, what's, the, what's the green landfall one? That's counters, right? Yeah, you put a counter on a creature or you gain two life. All these are close. I just think none of them draw you a fucking card. That's, like, it's hard to recoup the... Yeah, you're not really recouping a card with these... Um, any of these retreats. So... Yeah. I think they're all pretty this close, could, but the fact this could be bad, but uh, you could play it with some of the, um, the some of the miracle cards, like what is it, Thunderous Wrath or the Temporal Mastery? Is that just bad? Well, it doesn't get it back on your library. That's the. I mean, you're obviously gonna play Brainstorm or whatever, but yeah, I mean the the Scry's okay. I think you would look at like what are the broken creatures you can attack. I mean, the mana creatures are pretty good. It's it is a mana accelerant. So let's walk through. Uh, forest, Noble Hierarch, go. Untap. Land this thing. That's as fast as you can conceivably get this piece of shit onto the battlefield. <laughs> so, now, all right, so now you've got... You've, you spent your first two turns doing nothing. And you have this fucking thing in play. Now you pass. Like, when you untap with this thing, I should hope that you could do something really busted with it. And I'm just not sure you do. So, so all right, so you untap... All right, you have land, land, high arc. Your best case scenario is you have a fetch land in hand. So you tap your high arc for mana, and you play the fetch land, right? So you untap the high arc. You have one floating. 
Hierarch, land, land is three, fetch. Landfall, untap is four. The land you put into play is five. Is that right? Mm-hmm. So from a mana accelerant perspective, does that get you hard? I don't really know. Oh, oh, and the land you fetch, too. So is that six mana? Did I do that right? Land, land, hierarch. We untap. We tap the hierarch for, land, for mana, and then we play our fetch land. Hierarch untaps. We tap the hierarch again for mana. Mm -hmm. We have two mana floating. We fetch land, uh, and then landfall triggers again. We untap the hierarch and can tap it again for mana in three, and we have three lands in play. So, all right, so we can have six mana. Is that... What yeah. can we do? What can we do that's fucking awesome? And is that better than just having a Lotus Cobra? Yeah. Okay. Maybe it's just not good enough. Well, yeah, I'm just trying to walk through. If we want to use it as a mana accelerant, it's probably worse than Lotus Cobra, I think. And then the other thing that you can do with it is, is scrying, which over time is good, but I think might be more appropriate for a format that's sort of slower and has shittier card selection, like modern maybe. Yeah. I think if it was two mana, we'd be in business because you could you could start your second turn with high arc, tap the forest, retreat, right? Right. And you you could immediately net the mana you spent on retreat that turn. So you would lose no mana on your second turn if you had a fetch land, right? So I, yeah. Stompy strategy of some sort. Yeah, maybe Drake Stompy. Um <laughs> One of my favorite decks ever. I named uh, Cavern of Drake several times at Eternal Weekend. Yeah, dude. I love fucking people up with Sea Drakes and Sophie's attached to them. <laughs> so that, that deck actually gets a lot of landfall because, you know, the Sea Drake can always bounce lands. But I don't even know if I want that in, in that deck. I think I just want more dudes. Um, or I want, like... I've played, like, the only non-dude... Weapon force of will cards I play in Drake Stompy are usually bounce shit like Rushing River, or uh, uh, fuck, what do I? Uh, oh, uh, what's the thing that makes anything on your side of the board cost two more to target? It's one of the sieges. Monster. Oh, uh, yeah, Monster Siege. That card is pretty sweet. Yeah, I used to play that in Drake Stompy, or I used to. The last time I played Drake Stompy, I played a few of those because. A, your card quality in that deck is dog shit because you can't run cantrips. So you can use it as stink tank, or um, if your opponent's playing like decays and everything, you just set it to double four spike or double sphere on them. And then like your all your shit, obviously. And it's hard to decay things when decay costs four mana. So anyway, I don't, we spent probably too much time on this piece of shit, and this whole section should be edited out, but I don't think it's going to get played a whole lot. How about painful truths? Yeah. I'm using the spoiler, and it's right below it, and then I was reading it. So your best case scenario is you spend three colors, lose three life, and draw three cards. What do you what do you think of that, Evan? Is that worth it? Um, I, I guess for for like a mono black or like a a black. Like you can't a play mono black because converge. Oh, that's right. Yeah, so it's it's kind of like sunburst. Um. <laughs> Basically, lazy design sunburst, yeah. Yeah. Um, it seems pretty good. Um, I think it's... You think it's better in Vintage than it is in Legacy? Yeah, I think it's got some, some comparables that are, are barely play like... Um, 
the one that scries from the last Theros block, read the bones. Yeah, read the bones. Yeah. Read the bones. What? Draw two, scry two. Read the bones. I don't play yeah. Read the bones is yeah. Okay, read the bones is scry two, draw two, you lose two. It's hard to believe. Hard to believe that this card could be better than that, and it requires you to get into a number of colors. Exactly. Or just casting knights. We played Knights Whisperer. I mean, like. Is it better than Knight's Whisper? And Knight's Whisper is pretty fringe playable in Legacy. Uh, it's played in Vintage in some strategies, but it's a little slow, and now Thirst is unrestricted, so I don't even think Knight's Whisper is going to sniff yeah. light of day. I guess here's a corner case. <laughs> if you're speared out with a Thalia or Spear, this card costs four. You could, you could cast it for four and draw four cards for four in four life. Yeah. This set is fucking garbage. Let's move on. <laughs> yeah. What about, well, I guess one last one. This Dragon Master Outcast. For He's a fucking the, reprint, you fucking ape. Okay. What about Draina, Liberator of Malachar? <laughs> <laughs> that thing is a piece of shit. Dies to bolt and sucks. Doesn't even have haste. I'd rather yeah. actually just have a Vampire Nighthawk with... with None of this other bullshit on it. Is it better than? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. No. How does it not have haste? What a fucking hunk of shit! Like, I'd rather have flying haste. Then, then you could get someone with it if they tapped out, and on like your vampire army could. Ah! You tapped out. Time to liberate the vampires. Right. Gotcha. You know what I mean? Instead, it sucks. Go, drain it. Go. And the thing just gets annihilated by every removal spell ever fucking printed. <laughs> yeah. There's this yeah. fucking regrowth with feet. Have you seen this thing? Uh, five four. Uh, Green Warden of Muf- Mustafa. Uh, four green green for a five four. When Green Warden of Mustafa enters the battlefield, you may return target card from your graveyard to your hand. So it's a big fat eternal witness. Then it says. When it dies, you can exile it. If you do, you get another regrowth. That'd be kind of sick in like a veteran explorer rock deck, because you got cabal therapy, right? So you. Yeah. But then again, like you just green sun for six. Why wouldn't you just get primeval titan or titania or a thousand other cards that are better than that piece of shit? Never mind. Sorry. When are they gonna start spoiling the commander set? <laughs> just like. Uh, that's a good question. I, I'm, I'm on mythicspoiler.com. I don't even see Commander listed. It's maybe. crazy. You know, they didn't do a lot of spoiling of the last one. They just kind of released the set. You know, it wasn't like these core sets where they build up the, and give all the websites and podcasts like ours. I'm sure they're going to give our podcast a preview card. Um... <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, that was our ba- Battle for Zendikar uh, preview. Expedition lands. Oh, wait, wait, what are those? Oh, you sold one of those lands. That's yeah, cool. 350 bucks. Nice. I think I'm going to get Candelabra with it and some other stuff. Yeah, that's pretty crazy that you basically can pull a Candelabra out of, out of a booster pack. Or you pulled a library out of Alexandria and, like, two steak dinners out of a pack. Yeah, yeah. It's just nuts. Yeah, also basically, I like won a tournament. It's also pretty funny that we don't even <laughs> dabble in 
current formats whatsoever except for pre-release one, you know, four times a year or whatever, and Evan's four, just four. sitting there. Yeah, four just cards. Yeah, bust the expedition, you know, like everybody's just like foaming at the mouth over and we just don't care. No. All the standard barnacles must have just been fucking furious that you pulled it. Like, I'm sure everyone was pretty quiet. Um, there's a I pulled the Sculling Tarn. Another guy pulled uh, Wood Foothills. Um, there's a few people that were, you know, whatever, amazed wow. at the at the crappiness of the, you know, of the skunk of the card. But basically, everyone was kind of in their own zone, popping their packs or whatever. It was my first pack that I opened, so it was like, it's like all right. I didn't know what it was at first. Yeah, yeah, no. I wouldn't know what to do with the thing either. I have 350 bucks, so yeah, I, I think I would sell it. I, I said I would burn it, but if somebody just threw $350 at me, I, I would probably sell it. Yeah, I mean, it's just worth getting eternal cards, you know, instead just liquidate it out, you know, get stuff that actually matters, you know, stuff I like. God, the clown who got that thinks he's fucking cool. Like, oh, God. Yeah. Like, he was too poor to afford foils and fetches. And now he has this thing, and he's going to think he's a pimp. But, like, he doesn't understand that anybody with a brain knows that if he was a pimp, he'd already have, like, foil Russian scalding tarns. Like, it's like spinning rims on a 93 Hyundai. It's like <laughs> he's just cruising down the street, and he's just like, yeah, bitches. And then, like, he doesn't understand that he's actually just laughing at him. When I was in when I was in high school, quick story uh, this is not even related, but I was in high school. Used to come downtown a lot with friends to hang out, and my friend put plastic spinners on his sh- piece of shit car. <laughs> we pull up to, we pull up to a red light uh, one night, and one of his rims rolls off right in front of him at the stoplight and goes forward into the intersection. And we look over and there are these girls, like these hood girls, just sitting there laughing at us. Hey, he's so funny. He ran down right into the. <laughs> <laughs> what do you guys want to move on to? Yeah, so uh, so let's see. We covered the unbanning. Uh, we covered this shitty new set. Uh, we talked a little bit about champs. Uh, I have the misfortune of having buys, so I'm going to try to play. So I definitely need to take the format a little more seriously than I normally do and try to try to settle on a deck in the next couple weeks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The Grand Prix in Seattle. Yeah, yeah, so I'm, I've already booked a ticket long before that, so I'm going to be there. I'll have the buys. I have no excuse not to play, and uh, I'll be able to get my stuff signed on Friday and then hopefully Saturday morning and then hopefully play, so to figure out, come up with it. If I, yeah, I, then the luxury of having buys, the tournament's also capped at 2,000 people, which isn't a huge deal, uh, but it's interesting from a, from a number of rounds perspective. You you can already you already know the number of rounds that they'll be on day one, which it should be not should be a nine round day one problem. Uh, I'll have to check, but I think it's gonna be a nine round day one, which is pretty small for a GP, right? So wow. if you have buys, yeah, so you buy. They're capping it at two thousand, really. Correct. Wow. Yeah, because of the size of the venue. So they don't want a disaster. So they did that in Japan too, where they capped it at like nineteen hundred or something. And yep. And it was sold out like a month and a half in advance. You know. It's yeah. It's just strange where it's just it seems like they can be packing these things, you know, a little more. It's 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 like GP Jersey, and now they're just shrinking the size, you know, almost on purpose. Well, if you're the tournament organizer, you're in a shitty spot. 
want to make money on this thing, and you have to book the venue God knows how far in advance, right? So it's like they booked they didn't book the larger Seattle Convention Center, which I imagine is more expensive, right? Right. And got this one in sort of in between land in Tacoma, and um, it's smaller, and obviously they booked a smaller room. So, I you know, there are people crying about it on the internet, which ninety nine percent of the people crying about the cap were never going to go anyway, so they can all go fucking die in a fire. But the you know, the organizers kind of put in a tough bind. They have to plan really, really far in advance. Right. They don't want to overbook a huge venue that where they're not going to make any money. And so, I can kind of see where they're coming from. Two thousands, a lot of people. I think if you really wanted to go to GP Seattle, there it's not sold out yet. We're a month out, and if you haven't registered yet, I think you're kind of an ass if you want to cry foul. You know, a couple weeks from now, you had your chance. You know what I mean? Right. So. I don't know. Anyway, I registered once I got the buys. Obviously, I registered. So, we'll we'll see. But anyway, the interesting thing being being nine round being capped means like nine rounds probably day one, probably seven two makes it. So, to day two, I guess if you maybe the top eight has people with two losses. I guess two thousand people sounds about right. So with two buys, it means you know I have to play seven rounds, go five two to make day two. That seems reasonable. So. Uh, I figure out what I want to play. So, but anyway, there's that. But none, none of you cunts care about that. Um, we also had some changes in vintage, uh, which uh hurt me deeply, and uh, they restricted no. Chalice of the Void. Chalice to one. Yeah, so that's depressing. Uh, they restricted Dig, which. It's a restrict. It's a restricted list level power card in vintage. If you just look at it side by side with some of the cards that are on the restricted list, I get it. Um, so on on when it's cast, the impact that it has on a vintage match is definitely restriction worthy. I guess the issue I have is that there weren't any decks really that were pl- playing four. So it's a we- it's weird to see a restriction of a card that isn't played in four in vintage. That's Largely unheard of. Um, maybe gifts. Nobody play or four gifts was three or four gifts was the right number. So that that's definitely strange. Um, and then I also felt like we just had the most popular and well attended vintage tournament in the modern vintage era, uh, sanctioned or unsanctioned. So like you doubled attendance year over year, and your top eight was pretty diverse as far as vintage goes. You had two shop decks make it. Um, and shops actually, compared to the amount that were in the field, you could you could argue that it underperformed with respect to top eight appearance. And you also had, one of the shops players had was one of the very few people that had buys. So one of the guys who top eight with shops also had buys. So only one person without buys top eighted with a shop deck. Even stranger, uh, I believe one of the top eight decks. I think Rich Shea played only three Chalice. I'm gonna double check before I stick my foot in my mouth. Um, so I, you know, I thought it was. Oh, sorry, Paul Mastriano played only three Chalice of the Void. Um, 
Rich Shea knew better and played the full four, as he should have. Yeah. And uh, so anyway, I'm not a fan. I felt like Vintage was pretty wide open now. The arguments against Chalice being restricted is, or sorry, unrestricted, is sort of the feeling you got <laughs> when when you were on the draw and someone landed a Chalice for zero. And literally they specify that... Uh, in their, in their description for restricting it, Wizards actually says a, a major problem is that a turn one Chalice of the Void for zero deprives the opponent an opportunity to put Moxon onto the battlefield. While players can adapt by not playing Moxon, the point of the format is to provide a place to play those cards. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think is pretty fun. It's cool, actually, in one respect. He's saying, look... The only, you know, the only reason Vintage exists, and this is true, Vintage exists as a place to house the absolute broken mistakes, right? If you can't accept the broken, absurd mistakes of Magic's history, you should never play Vintage because it's the only place where we can still play them. They're absurd. You're going to get blown out. There's you know, a million things that can happen on the first turn that just absolutely wreck you, and that's where all those cards live. So it's like if you can't accept the restricted list... And everything that's on it, not the place for you. And I guess what they're saying is, since this is the the only home of those cards, that Chalice is such a buzzkill for everyone who wants to play Moxes, we're going to restrict it. So, and then it also it also says, uh, you know, however, too many games are effectively decided by the first player's first turn. I guess sort of saying that whoever wins the coin flip has uh, an inordinate advantage if they are playing the card Chalice of the Void. And I don't necessarily buy that argument because winning the die roll with a lot of decks in Vintage is a massive advantage. So maybe Chalice more so than something like Bizargo, but um, eh. anyway, I, I felt like it was a little bit of a hostage exchange. There's a certain segment of Vintage players who are super vocal about uh, shops and they think only apes and chimps play shops and it's skillless and blah 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 and whatever. I mean, if if shops doesn't exist, then I have a, or I have a hard time not making a blue deck because the mana bases are so easy to create and uh, the blue cards are so powerful. I have a hard time thinking that you'd want to play anything other than a blue deck or a dredge deck. But maybe being a blue deck doesn't even matter. So. Anyway, I'm not going to cry too much more about it, but uh, I'm a little disappointed. I thought Legacy, or sorry, I thought Vintage was really healthy. You had eight really interesting decks in the top eight. Yeah, they all had Moxes and Black Lotuses, but I I had hopes they would leave it alone. But I mean, as a shops aficionado, I uh no, I'll keep I'll keep Lodestone over Chalice. Okay. They're both they're both amazing, but like um you know they're the holy grail of cards in there, you know, Lodestone, Chalice, and to a large degree, Tangle Wire. Since, since you have duplicative Spheres, Sphere and Thorn are both really good, but um, those really are the cards. And then, of course, Wasteland and Strip Mine, but, and the, uh, the Workshop itself, obviously, but uh, it's going to be tough, because it, it's very subtle. A lot of people who don't play a lot of Workshops don't understand Chalice isn't, isn't as much of an ape card as people would make you think it is. Understanding when to play it for zero, understanding when to play it for one, and understanding even when to play it for two, which goes against what you would think you'd normally want to do in shops since you have spheres and revokers and things. 
it actually takes a decent amount of patience and skill and decision making. And so I, I don't know. I, I don't like I said. I don't think it warranted restriction. I think vintage was pretty balanced. Naysayers say that you have to devote so many cards in your sideboard to beat shops that that unbalances the format. But I could say the same thing about dredge. Right. You know, that argument. You know, that argument uh, isn't exclusive to shops. Um, so, but yeah, I think lodestone would be a would be a bigger hit to um, to to chalice. The other the other thing that tangentially hurts chalice of the void, whether it's set at one or zero in vintage in shops, is a key permanent with respect to Tanglewire, which is like one of the next most important cards, especially on the draw for shops. So when you're playing Tangle Wire, the assumption is, is that you're winning the permanent war, and you win that permanent war with things like Chalice, and Chalice, is, Chalice for Zero is the cheapest permanent besides lands that, that shop decks would put into play. So Chalice being restricted also weakens Tangle Wire. So I think it's a double blow, and I think that people who don't know what the fuck they're talking about don't understand exactly how hard this is going to hit shops. It's going to hit shops very, very hard. Way harder than Dig Through Time is going to hurt like a Gush Mentor deck. Uh, so, whatever it'll uh, maybe it opens up a little deck building space. My my personal preference wouldn't have actually been to restrict dig because, like I said, people are playing three. It's hated out by grave hate. Um, there is already grave hate be, being played with respect to dredge. I would have preferred mental misstep restricted and chalice restricted, and then I think you punch both of those decks in the dick, and you open up space for a deck that maybe wants to actually cast a sorcery speed one-mana spell, which right now is one of the most miserable things in the world to do in Vintage because yeah. this gets fucking misstepped. So you're you're stuck in a place now. If you actually want to cast a card like Duress or Deathrite Shaman or fucking Skull Clamp, you have to run your own missteps, and it just sucks because your deck-building space, which is already constrained by all these broken mm-hmm. cards, is, yeah, it's yeah. less, so... My preference would have been, if you're going to restrict Chalice of the Void, that the hostage that I would take in to Guantanamo would have been misstep, because that card is miserable, it's dumb, It's the opportunity cost of it is so low, it's just a fucking stupid, broken card. Farxian Mana in general was a fucking huge mistake, and Mental Misstep is the fucking poster child for it. So, And the Unrestricted Thirst, which I don't know enough about uh, playing with Thirst in Vintage, because I wasn't playing at the time when it was Unrestricted, to make an educated guess, but uh, uh, seems good as our <laughs> seems seems good. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, fucking a. So what else you got going on? Uh, what about old school, Evan? You're you've been cock hard for old school now for a few weeks. You got any new decks on on uh, on deck? Um. Well, ninety three, ninety four. I mean. I want to get uh, a reanimator deck going, actually, with, like, Jalem Tomb, and I got picked up uh, two more All Hollows Eves, so now I have three. Um, and then I uh, just want to get, uh, like, Lord of the Pit, Cabal, Ghoul, uh, Breeding Pit, uh, kind of the old combo. Moving there, um, been working on a defensive strategy that I played you with, Sean, uh, Sunday Legacy, um, which is basically just holding back my opponent with, you know, Maze of Ith, uh, Icy Manipulators, a uh, little bit of land destruction, just kind of the classic stuff, um, just kind of toggling 
between, you know, just kind of getting the feet wet again. You know, it's been so long and I've been playing kind of a little bit up north uh, just at Christmas time. But now to actually get full-fledged back into it and actually, like, have people to play competitive games with is kind of opening the floodgates a little more. I want to bring, you know, it's just kind of like look through the binder and you get to pick out cool old cards and dust them off and just put them in decks, which I think is the majority of the reason why a lot of people want to play. Um, but uh, I like to bring out Ollie from Cairo uh, and some monoliths. Uh, you know, just kind of like a lot of the classics. I, I had an idea for a reanimator, but it was going in a different direction. Because uh, if you're playing with Fallen Empires legal, you get uh, deep spawn. And like, yeah. So I was thinking about trying to go that trying to go that direction with uh uh if you go blue black all right you get yeah we're we're stuck on the number of animate spells that that's kind of a constraint like you have animate dead and all hollows right it's pretty much and health caretaker well health caretaker yeah 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 those three health caretaker is pretty vulnerable and it's probably not super reliable so I think it's you're probably Primary reanimation is animate dead and and uh, all hollows, and like so I was thinking, blue ironically has the best self discard. You got tome, mind bomb, and recall, right? Yeah, mind bomb's great. Yeah, and so you know maybe go down that route. I don't know how you would, I don't know how you would not die against an aggro deck because it's really slow. And yeah. I was fucking around with it in cockatrice, but my reanimation's targets would be. Four deep spawn, and uh, I know that nobody listening to this has any fucking idea what this thing does, but it's five blue, blue, blue creature homerid, and he's a six six trample. And then during your upkeep, you mill yourself, and then he has homerid shroud. And uh, I know you don't know what that is, but homerid shroud predates troll shroud, and it says. It gains trout until the end of the turn, but then it goes into its shell and it doesn't untap. <laughs> all the, the homerids had it. So you get that guy, and he's not, you know, by old school standards, he's a pretty pretty big creature. A 6-6 six, six trample is pretty big. And then you get, uh, he's going to help mill out your other shit, right? Yeah. And so then I was thinking, all right, we can, we can, uh, we can get back Leviathan, right? Oh yeah, he's a 10-10 trample, but that's not really why I want him around. I want these dudes around because I want to sacrifice them and I want to fucking drain life you. Mm. And then my recursion engine is Skull of Orm, so I can just keep bringing back the uh, animate dead. But I, it's like I can't beat a Curdape. It just takes so long to set up this entire combo that I think I would just die to, to like Mon's Goblin Raider. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in, in, my, in my the deck I was playing with, I was it's kind of like I guess trying to drag out a uh, force of nature, you know, kind of holding you back, um, and then just getting him out with some elves and you know, trying to just classic guys. Uh, like right now, I mean, I'd like to do something with you know Wheel of Fortune, Honorable Dreams combo, Honorable's uh, Disc, just like black. You know, discard, whatnot, just kind of. I picked up four Underworlds at Eternal Weekend, so that's yeah. not on that road yet. But yeah, I'd like to fuss around with those some more. Play Underworlds and all the draw sevens, Twisters, Vice, Winds of Change. 
Yeah. Um, four wins and change. Yeah. Did you guys hear about that guy from Norway that played against me in the old school tournament that was playing a similar deck to what you guys were talking about where he had all the draw sevens? And I'm just sitting over there with, like, my Savannah Lions and my <laughs> Javelin Ears, and he's over there drawing, redrawing, 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 building up infinite mana and doesn't draw a single spell to kill me, and I just attack him with a, with a little shitty dude for the win. <laughs> I hadn't, I, I hadn't, I went and looked at the deck list that, you know, like the first couple days afterwards, but I hadn't actually, now that I got all my cards sorted and all my loot from Eternal Weekend, I haven't gone back and looked at, li- you know, I really looked at lists. Dude, that thing is like 30 colors. Look at this shit. Was it Dustin Beckert? I don't know. He's like a bald, like balder Norwegian guy. Pretty nice. I see an Underworld Dreams deck here. It looks pretty sick, dude. He's got Flash Counter. This dude, this dude wasn't playing Underworld Dreams, but he's just playing all the you know oh, Wheel of Fortunes, okay. the Twisters. All right, well then that's not that dude. Dude, there's some sick fucking decks. This guy, I was trying to make a Merfolk deck too. This guy beat me to the fucking punch. Check this shit out, dude. He's got, he's got River Merfolk. That's where I was going. Yeah, he's good. Yeah, so I wanted to make um. This guy's just assuming everybody's gonna play Islands. I was gonna play Phantasmal Terrain. And um, and River Merfolk, Lord, Pearl, and I was going to play Dance the Many because you don't have any Lords. And maybe some clones, I guess, maybe like some number of dances and a couple of clones. I may fucking bring Mer. I may fuck you up with Merfolk, dude. Yeah, Dance the Many might be better just because you're not, just to get it out quicker and you can pay the upkeep on it. Are Are you referring to... Merfolks? Is that what you mean? Uh, Merfolks. <laughs> my the favorite my favorite deck out of that tournament was probably that dude from California that played Howling Mines and Sylvan Libraries and a bunch of Avoid Fates. Uh, I think I know who you're talking about. Was he? Was he the guy who played uh, Eureka? It was like a Titania's. Are you talking about? Oh, you're talking about the guy who had the... No, you're talking about the guy who had Titania's song, right? Is that and what he, it was? Yeah, I know, he had a bunch of Sylvan Libraries, Howling Mines, and then he yeah. had that spell that, like, if I try and destroy his Sylvan Library, it gets yeah, countered. Yeah, avoid fate, of Wad Fate, yeah. That fucking guy was playing... His only way to win, besides decking you... I don't even think he played Black Vice. He had a couple of copies of... Oh, I'm going to search on the Eternal Central page. I'm pretty sure the only way he was killing people was fucking uh, was Titania's song, which says all your artifacts uh, are now creatures with their conver- power toughness converted mana cost uh, equal to their converted mana cost. So he would just play that on one turn and just attack you with like 20 power worth of howling mine. <laughs> yeah. How is how is like uh, doing like a you know like a post you know or like you know Tron sort of strategy you know with the Urza lands just like going brown. It's gonna be tough sledding with fucking strip mine running around, dude. I don't. I looked at that too, but it's like one strip mine just blows your hole open, and you're not. Uh, I don't. I don't know what to do about that. I feel like if you don't play for, with four strip mines, the control decks just all win. Like there's just no way to beat the deck, right? Right. And then Mistress Factory just runs fucking rampant. So, I, but I. But having four strip mines means. A deck like Urzatron, just honestly, I can't imagine fighting off 
you just you don't have anything to stop it. The only solutions are white. So you know you have Consecrate Land, Equinox, and um, that's it. I mean, there's no other way to stop a strip mine that I can think of, unless I'm missing something. Pyramids, but that's like Land thousand. Equilibrium, blue. Yeah, but then you're talking double blue in your Urzatron deck. That yeah, right. Yeah. So I just found this dude's deck list that I was referring to, and uh, his win cons are two Mishra's factories, and he has two Titania's song and one Jade statue, and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> it was so sick. You know what's sick? Jade statue's a 4-4 four, four with Titania's song out, but you can still make him a 3-6 six six. during combat. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, some of these decks are so boss. Some other people need to do a little work, though, I think, over the course of the next year to make their decks look a little better. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm pretty I'm not gonna call out names here, but you know, we we work together to try to make our decks all, you know, look respectable and I I just feel like some of these people, you know, <laughs> with like revised Birds of Paradise and I'm seeing a lot of Chronicle Cities of Brass, and I just feel like you, know, you made the effort to fly out here. You know, you can buy a fucking Italian city of brass so it's black border. You know what I'm saying? That's what I do. I might call some. Actually, I'm going to call some people out here. I got Trevor Hayden. You need to do a little work here, buddy. I mean, this is like. <laughs> this is like. Literally, it's like mono revised. I mean, maybe that's what you were going for, but it's pretty weak. <laughs> and then you randomly have either a beta, or if this is a beta Black Lotus, that's going to be actually kind of funny. Like, it's all revised, and then there's just like a blackboard Lotus. <laughs> 16 revised planes. <laughs> I mean, maybe that's his era or something, you know, like that's what he remembers. Uh, you know, probably always fall into that with some people. I mean, honestly, it's not the expensive stuff that gets on my fucking nerves. It's like a Triskelion. You know what I mean? Like, come on. How much is an antiquities Triskelion? Maybe I'm going to... Hold on. I'm going to check that price because maybe I'm... It's actually more than you think, man. I think it's like 15 bucks. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Never mind. Triskelion antiquities. I mean, they're like four or five bucks. Oh, what really? Yeah. Oh, that's cheaper. Well, oh. they will be 10 to 15 someday. Yeah, I mean, you know, I also get that people were maybe on short notice, but some of this stuff drives me bonkers. And then I once, think... you know, once Jaco said CEs were legal, I just, that to me, I mean, there's no excuse to have a revised script sprite when it, you can get a CE one for five cents, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, you just buy the beta one, it's only like a, you know. Yeah, or even if they're pretty cheap anyways, you know, even... Let's see who else. Oh, dude, uh, Iman from Cairo by Iman Matamed is my favorite deck. I made that deck. I know. Where Do you own that fucking fork, or did you bum that? No, I do own it. Um, when I first came back into Magic, I was, like, buying, like, eBay car. Like, you know, I was just kind of, like, just, you know, hungry for Magic. Just didn't know anybody that played. Um, so I was just buying a lot of cards, like, newer cards, because um, I just had a lot of older cards. so But I came across that one, and it was just an auction, and I didn't realize 
like that must have been like as now I know the history and I I've read about it so now I understand what's going on. It's like you know this guy that's cutting cards off sheets or whatnot. Yeah. So, but when I when I read it, it didn't say that it was you know, there was no warning like that. It just kind of said it was tournament playable and it's legal and you know this is a miscut. There wasn't really any explanation of that. So. I, I mean, it was only like nine dollars, you know. Oh, so that's fine. Yeah. Yeah, I put down a ten dollar bid on it. Just you know, I didn't think I was even gonna win it, but I was just like, oh, that's cool, whatever, you know. I didn't. But now, you know, like now that I'm kind of have my my head and hands wrapped around Magic more, um, it's not really my thing or look. I mean, now there's just so many of those, and you know, now I understand what it is. It just it's a lot less interesting because there were cards that were you know, messed up. Typically they just had like those big top heads, you know, um, you know, where it's pushed down to the bottom. Usually just pushed down to the bottom. Um, yeah. and then off center to the left there was a lot of those. I mean I remember having a lot of those and usually junking them because you know, you're playing clear sleeves back then so they're they're marked yeah, yeah. cards. Oh, you Empire fucking full of them. I wish I'm sure I threw Yeah, out. exactly. Yeah. What do you think had the best looking deck? You don't have to say me because because you uh, because you guys. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, it's hard to say. I mean, there was just there's some stout looking fucking decks. Yeah, there's that, that bit larger German man who's laying on yeah. the bed. Uh, <laughs> dude, I that picture is priceless. That yeah. picture, dude, that picture is so sick. If I didn't already get married, like <laughs> like that man would be the best man in my wedding. I would just fly him to the wedding. He would be my best man, and then like <laughs> we would drink. Not <laughs> even drink. really knowing him, I don't even care. He's just the man. What's his name? Yeah. Richard. Yeah. Heiner. No, no, no. Heiner's Heiner's uh, no, no, no. Big uh, Richard Lesman is is uh is our drinking buddy. He's friends with Tomas. Yeah, he's the one in the picture there. Yeah. Okay. Heiner is uh our buddy from. He lives in uh, San Fran. Yeah, I oh, lost okay. to Heiner in the last year's one. I lost in the top eight to Heiner um, because I didn't fucking see his wall of heat, and I ran my factory into it like a fucking ape. So, but Richard's deck does look sick. Although you know, the porno pose with him and the beer is even better than his deck. This guy, uh, the Jeffs. You remember the Jeffs in the finals? Um, oh yeah, Jeff. yeah, he's got a sick. Yeah, deck. Jeff and and and. Yeah, and yeah. Andy. And Andy. Yeah. yeah, just for the ultra flavor, he had the Savannah Lions signed from the year previous. You know, with the whole uh, 93-94 Goon Squad. You know, they signed the card. Let me get a look at his day. He just threw it in for flavor, obviously, but. No, oh, that's pretty, pretty sick. Cool. No, I was gonna say Danny Friedman's deck looks pretty sick too. He's got a he's got an Atog list here. It looks really clean. He's got a ton of alpha stuff. It looks pretty clean. Like it's, I know he's got some. I know his his Valks are a little fucking shady. Like he's colored in the borders or some bullshit. But other than that, the deck looks like super clean because it's got so much alpha cut stuff. It looks pretty cool. Go ahead. What do you think? Here's the dude that uh, that I, I beat in the first round with my white weenie deck against his um, power artifact. Is his name Thomas Nilsson? His deck's pretty pimp. He's got uh, it's pretty much all black board, except for a couple pieces of blue power, or like a I think it's a twister and a time walk. Everything else is black bordered, um, and all of his mocks in black border. He's got nice looking beta islands. 
Oh yeah, dude, I'm looking at that deck. That he's got a nice looking book of ass in there too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that looks pretty sick. I like uh I wonder, you know, some people I think were unclear about the restricted list. I guess he only wants one shop in his deck, maybe. I don't know. Some some uh a couple people didn't know Vice was unrestricted. We're like, what do you like they just had no idea that Vice was unrestricted. Like uh, Paul beat Randy Bueller, who would eventually go on to win the event. He beat him round one with state. With Paul beat him with a stasis deck, and he's like, "Black Flight is unrestricted." It's like, what's going on? I'm like, "Yeah, Black Flight is unrestricted." Tasted. Beta Fiend's deck looked amazing too. It's just uh, he's too lazy to take a picture here, so instead you have stasis by Paul Callis, and you have no picture. Yeah. Yeah, I took no picture too. I laid on the draw. Uh, like I said, this Merfolk deck is, like, if you're not going to black border the Merfolk of the Pearl Trident, then I I just can't, I can't stand by you. White border <laughs> Serenade are never going to do it for me either. That's, like, a huge sin. Uh, that's some, that's some good-looking stuff on here. Well, I encourage all of our three listeners to go out and check out Eternal Central to look at the, uh, the deck list. They did a lot of, a lot of hard work. A, organizing it, B, posting all these pictures, C, transcribing all the deck lists largely from the pictures and uh, or from email. So that was a lot of work. And uh, this page is so cool to just go down and look, check out all the pictures and see all the decks. I, I, I'm going to say my deck. I think my deck does look the best, actually. Now I've scrolled down the entire page, and it's just sick. <laughs> it is fucking sick. <laughs> It's just the most hateful-looking deck. It's like a mono-black deck when it's all black-bordered. just looks so dark and miserable and foreboding. Like, And it's just all black. Yeah, it really has the feeling. Yeah. And then, like, yeah. it's just a giant cake of hate. And then, like, the Harold McNeil sign stuff is just the cherry on top. Yeah. I like that Anson autograph, too, on the same gear. Yeah, dude. That vampire was a last-minute replacement. I... I was like, man, I suck at Demote so fucking hard, I'm just going to put this vampire in here. And I never drew him, but whatever. All right. Well, uh, anything else you guys want to cover on our uh, first podcast here? I think that about wraps it up. I guess we got some events coming up, right? we got a Star City 5K in about two weeks, and then we got GP Atlanta coming up. So I don't, I don't know if we'll cast before then or not. Hopefully we will. Yeah. yeah, no, yeah. Normally, I don't look forward to a Star City, but I need to practice with uh, with the GP on the horizon. So I'm actually welcoming uh, the 5K. We should do a Korean barbecue on the Saturday night after the challenge into the Sunday 5 5K. Yeah, and it, you know, if we don't cast, and anybody actually listens to this, I really, 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 if you're anywhere in the southeast, want to encourage you to come to GP Atlanta. Despite the fact that it's sealed, uh, Star City has gone through a lot of trouble to schedule a lot of eternal events, and they did not used to do this, um, but they had some success with eternal side events in London, they did a few legacy side events in Charlotte, and now they are including Vintage in their side event suite, putting it a little later in the day, So, um, and they also have Dual Commander, which is another another cool Eternal format that you don't normally get a chance to play. So 
I would encourage you, if you're anywhere in the southeast, you can make it out, you can share a room or whatever, get out to GP Atlanta. It's November 13th to November 15th. You can go to Star City Games and look at their site, but every single day there's at least three or four eternal events for you to play in. So even if you're like me and you hate Sealed Deck and you think it's for children, still come out and support the eternal stuff that they have going on. And if you um, have any questions or need any help getting around Atlanta, we're an Atlanta-based team, and we can help you unless you're an asshole, in which case we won't help you. But um, try to make it out. And if those fire and they're successful, it'll encourage the tournament organizers that do these GPs to include eternal events. So uh, that's my public, that's my community building message for the, for the cast. And man, was it heartfelt. Yeah. yeah. Sounds good. All right. Later. All right. See you guys. Adios. <laughs>